live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. Here is the deal. Let me kind of go through what we know, and then I want to discuss this with you. It's just mind-boggling, and it might not technically be illegal, but if it's not, it should be. The reality is no car insurance, no problem. Nuts to that. Let's get them off the road. Impound the cars. Make the streets safer. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So glad to have you with us. Well, look, I understand that this is a first world problem, but as we've been talking about all day, this is a big day in Wisconsin, or at least it was scheduled to be a big day in Wisconsin, opening day 2020. And just on a personal level, it's always been one of the days I, I've looked forward to the most, having the opportunity to attend opening day as a fan and to work from opening day and to be in the dugout and have an opportunity to bring interviews with various Brewers players and management to you. And look, I acknowledge that there's much bigger issues out there that we are all dealing with. Freely understand that, but still, I don't know, a bunch of regret. And, and there is going to be baseball. Don't know when, but it will, in fact, come back. Now, when I was getting ready to get ready for work today, sitting there, I was looking at my closet. I was thinking, okay, what, what are we going to wear? And then it occurred to me, hey, it's opening day. At least for me, I thought, you know, I'm going to wear what I would have worn had I been at Miller Park, like you know, was typically scheduled until a couple weeks ago. So if you follow me on Twitter, and that's at Jeff Wagner 620, I, you, I'm standing in my home office dressed like I would be dressed if we were going to the baseball game. So I'm trying to keep a little bit of baseball in my heart as we go through these various times. Again, tonight, 6 o'clock, we are going to be replaying opening day from last year. It was a great game. And by the way, if you follow me on Twitter, um, I, I know over the last course of the last couple of days, maybe maybe once a show, occasionally you heard little bit of barking in the background. Well, we're broadcasting from home, and I'm standing there on opening day. I'm ready, and I'm, I'm there with my dog, Sasha, and I think we've made arrangements to keep her out of the house right now, or at least to keep her downstairs. But the bottom line is, if you heard barking just for a little bit over the course of the last couple of days, it's... I mean, it's her house. I'm just living in it. So you can check that all out. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. Okay, I want to offer a little bit of perspective at the start of the show, and this has been the way that I've been trying to to start the shows because I think sometimes with everything that is going on and the relentlessly bad news and some of, I don't know, these projections that you see, I think it needs a little bit of perspective. For example, I was watching the press conference that was conducted last night by Vice President Mike Pence, and there was a point in time where where one of the the doctors, not Dr. Fucci, but the other one, uh, the other doctor, she got out there and she said, look, you know, we're, we're seeing these headlines that are out there that say, oh, half the population could be infected, et cetera, et cetera. And she said, you got to be really careful with this because you can run mathematical models that can get sort of almost any result you want. And, and yes, it's true that you can run this model that says, okay, if we don't do anything 
and the coronavirus spreads and it spreads and it spreads, and then we have an outbreak next fall, and then we have an outbreak next spring. This is where you get the numbers. And she said, but, you know, those, you got to be really careful with that because you can set up any sort of model that you want to kind of get the results, and you can have worst-case scenarios, and then you can have best-case scenarios. And I, I only bring this up not to downplay the significance of coronavirus. For goodness sakes, nobody wants to do that. But I think sometimes if if we're obsessed with the news and, and all we do is you know go on the Internet to our various websites and you'll see one story after another talking about all the problems, and Lord knows there's a lot of problems, and then you, know, you see once you turn on the radio or you turn on the television and you hear some of these alarmist predictions or you see what's going on in New York, which is clearly an epicenter, and you say, okay, well, maybe you know, we could become the next New York. Well, okay, maybe. But a lot of that assumes a lot of stuff <clears throat> that isn't necessarily going on. So, again, in, in, the, in an effort to try to give some perspective, I, I just, for Wisconsin, 5.8 million people, 600-plus confirmed cases of coronavirus since we started testing, and, and eight deaths. Now, interestingly, there's a piece in the Wall Street Journal that I might send out on Twitter, but I don't want to be accused of, a, of being a coronavirus minimizer because I'm not. But, but actually, the, the theory that the people advance is that the, the actual the death rate is really a lot lower than, than what's being reported because there's a lot of people who have probably had coronavirus and they've either been asymptomatic or, or they've been recovered. They recovered. They, they actually you know, had coronavirus, but they, they assumed that it was a mild case of the flu or whatever. So actually the death rate that you look at is actually much lower because the number of reported coronavirus cases might be actually lower as well. Interesting theory. It makes sense to me, but I guess time will tell on that. So you've got all that stuff that's going on. And again, the vast majority of tests. Now we're starting to do more testing. And one of the things that we're seeing is the vast majority of tests, people that are going in with symptoms, they're, they're not testing positive for coronavirus, which is, again, it's a very, very good step. Now, again, I'm not minimizing this. Obviously, am I saying that we should, you know, reopen Miller Park and go back and play baseball and have 45,000 people sitting in close quarters? No, I, I don't think it's time for that. We're, we're told to shelter at home. I think in general we've been doing a pretty good job of that. The areas where we gather socially have been limited. And I think most people, not everybody, <clears throat> but most people recognize that this is significant and are, are taking the appropriate steps. All I'm saying is I think we need to be careful you, you don't want to underreact. There's no doubt about it. But for people who are just obsessed and looking at the news and saying, oh, my gosh, this is, this is going to kill half the planet, it, it, if we're smart, if we do these things, that's not going to be the case. And whether or not we reopen in April, mid-April, or the end of April, <clears throat> or May or June, I, I, I don't know. But it's going to happen at some point in time. And so that, that's my advice because I know a lot of people are inside you're, you're watching the cable news channels on a relentless basis. You're seeing these numbers. In some cases, they've got counters up, number of people reported with coronavirus, number of deaths, etc. Don't mean to minimize any of that at all. But if you're smart, if you practice social distancing, if we do what we're supposed to do, which is not get into big groups and things like that, you know, we're, we're going to end up getting through this. And that's why I think sometimes it's best 
just to kind of turn off the television and, and read, you know, read a good book. Or if you've got to have the TV on, I never thought I'd say this, but I said to my wife, why don't you just watch the Hallmark Channel? For just a little while to get your mind off of this. So again, in Wisconsin, 600 plus reported cases of coronavirus, and that has increased. But you knew it was going to increase. That, that, that we're testing more, so there's no surprise. It, it, it's you're identifying more of those cases. Eight deaths, 5.8 million people. Now that's not being again a coronavirus denier. It's not minimizing it. It's not suggesting that we should all go out and start interacting with each other again. It's just trying to offer a little bit of perspective. The other reality is coronavirus is going to be with us for the next year, year and a half, and maybe onward after that as we work to develop a vaccine. So one of the things that realistically over the next year we're going to have to concentrate on is kind of what they talk about when they say leveling the curve. You don't want to overwhelm the healthcare facilities. That's why we want to make sure that uh, there's enough testing that's out there to identify the people that really have coronavirus. That's number one, as opposed to just an ordinary case of the flu or something else. You want to be able to identify that, and then you want to make sure that the healthcare workers have the equipment and the materials that they need, and that's where you need the priority and the ramp up. So I offer that as some perspective not to minimize what is going on, because Lord knows we are in a crisis. All right, we're going to talk about a lot of different aspects of the ongoing crisis over the course of the next, well, three hours. But I, I want to start off the program today with, again, it's kind of a first-world issue, but it's something that was a big deal a month ago. I'm not sure anybody's even thinking of it now, and it's a story that comes from the world of sports. I will explain in a moment. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We are back. Opening day baseball not happening. You can hear our broadcast of the game from last year. That is 6 o'clock tonight. Be sure to tune in. All right, we're, we're talking a lot about baseball, and, of course, the, the, the sense is that this is the start of the baseball season, but baseball games will, in fact, be played at some point in time. Don't know when. I don't know if it's realistic to expect games to be played by early May. Maybe Memorial Day is a better idea. Maybe the 4th of July. Who knows? Time will tell. I don't want to talk about baseball. I want to talk about another sport, and that is basketball. Now, basketball has been, and this was just a magical season for the Milwaukee Bucks, no question about it, and because of the concerns over the coronavirus and the epidemic and the number of NBA players who were testing positive, essentially the NBA had no choice but to shut down. And that, that shutdown has been in effect for a couple weeks, and candidly, there, there, there's no end in sight. There's no end in sight. On top of all that, even if we suddenly decide, hey, it, it's safe to start playing games, whether you're playing games with spectators or not spectators, even once we get to that point, there's still going to be a, a time lag because it doesn't seem to me you can say to all the players, okay, boom, we're now throwing a switch. Um, you, you come from your homes on Tuesday, come back to the arenas on Wednesday, and, and we're going to start playing. It, it seems to me there's got to be a time lag where you have some sort of, if you're going to do this, you have some sort of you know training camp period to get people adjusted. All right, now the NBA season was scheduled to end. The Bucks' last game, I believe, was the 15th of, of April. 
which is a Wednesday night, and that's the um, that's the that's the that's three days after Easter Sunday. Well, President Trump, of course, is being mocked for suggesting that, that maybe we can start getting portions of this country back rolling by Easter Sunday. So it, I know many people think that that's an unreally, unrealistically optimistic concept. I happen to think that maybe in some parts of the country it's not. In other parts of the country, like, say, New York, which is the epicenter of this, it absolutely is. But there's no question that the NBA isn't going to res- be able to resume in, in mid-April, which means the rest of the NBA season, essentially the regular season, according to the calendar, being lost. Who knows how much longer after that they're going to be able to resume playing games. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here is my question. Given everything that is going on, And given the time realities that are out there, and given the fact that this shutdown is clearly going to go, at best, into mid-April, and maybe last longer than that, and then given the fact that even after the shutdown ends, you're not going to just be able to flip a switch and resume business as usual for our sports leagues. And it's not like you say, okay, the, the, the hair salons, they can open up. Boom. Okay, well, the hairdressers and the barbers, they can go back in their stores the next day. But... But for the NBA, it's not going to be that easy. You're going to have to arrange dates where the place you play is available. You're going to have to get all the ushers, and you're going to have to assemble the players. You're going to have to work out the travel schedules and all those things. Here is my question. Given the reality, given the timing, does it make more sense just to say, that's it, we are done for the 2019-2020 season to try to continue just isn't practical. It doesn't make sense to have play. It doesn't make sense to try to fill the regular season. There's just not enough time, and it doesn't make sense to have the playoffs under these circumstances if they've got to go to next September. Are we at a point where it's time to just wave the towel and say, "Okay, see you in the fall"? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't know if we're at that point, but I think we're awfully close. I think just the the reality of of the dates, the reality of the continuing uncertainty as to how long people have been off, I don't think it's going to leave a lot of choice. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Gru is lining up the calls. We'll take a quick break. Back to discuss in just a moment. Is it time to just say, look, it's too bad because this was looking like a magical season for the Milwaukee Bucks, but these are circumstances beyond anybody's control. Time to say, NBA, we'll see you in the fall. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Julie in Kenosha. Julie, good afternoon. You're on WTMJ. Yes, good afternoon, Jeff. How are you doing? I am well. And yourself? We're hanging in there. (laughs) Okay. Well, what do we do about the NBA? I mean, time is running out. The regular season was supposed to end in about three weeks. Nobody thinks the country is going to be close to back to normal in that time. What do we do about this? What was a special season for the Bucs? I know. It's it's tragic for me and my family. I have a a 12-year-old boy and an 8-year-old boy that love the NBA. And uh, we actually have a fantasy basketball league 
that we do amongst our family. And um, the Bucks really had a chance to take it all this year. They did, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And, so, um, I mean, do you think, I, so, Julie, do you think they, should, they can come back and, and still have playoffs, or do we just kind of say, okay, we're, we're just going to, we're going to put a cap in the 2019-2020 season? I think it's sad to say, but I think we just have to put a cap in it. I think it's done. Yeah, I, th- thanks for call. I appreciate it. I mean, it, it's, there's no way you can finish the regular season. Like I said, I mean, I, I was just looking at the schedule today, and thanks a lot for the call, Julie. I appreciate it. And and look, I, I'm a I'm a huge sports fan. I mean, I, I love and, and this this looked like it was going to be the Bucks year. At some point in time, though, you the, the clock runs against you. If you if you accept the premise that all right, even if you scrap the playoffs. I mean, scrap the regular season. All right, we're just going to say, okay, we're going to suspend this, and then we're going to just assume that the teams that are in it are going to be the teams that are in it, and we'll go ahead using them. You still, I mean, heck, you're not starting the playoffs earliest, it would seem to me. Earliest would be early to mid-May. And then, uh, again, with all the logistical problems that you have, you almost reach a point where you say, you know, why? Carrie in Green Bay. Carrie, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Uh, my okay. perspective is that we should try to get the sports back as soon as possible. I don't know that we can have fans right away, but my reasoning is, is that we need to get the sports back whenever it's safe for the players. Play without fans for a month, but heavily televise these uh, these events, uh, the, the baseball games, maybe on two channels like local and ESPN and whoever. We got to have something to watch, and I believe sports will take our mind off of it. I think it'll give us something yep. to watch while we're at home. Uh, so that's my perspective, anyway. Well, no, thank, thanks for the call, Carrie. I mean, don't get me wrong; you're, you're talking to a, a monster sports fan here, and and, and I, <laughs> I want to see this start. I mean, I, I want to see this start. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you joining us. I I, I want I, I want to see this start. Just I mean, if, if we could start this up yesterday, I, I would say that. But, you, I mean, think about what is going on right now. Think about what's involved in trying to stage professional sports. And it's not just getting the players together, but you're, you're talking about you know, hotels. Hotels are closed all across this country, not necessarily by orders of the governor or the president, but they're closed because there, there's not that much business. Um, airplanes, and I guess I, I understand that. I understand that um, you know the, the players in general they, they travel on charters and stuff like that. But but airlines, I mean, they're, they're just shuttering planes. The logistics, the idea that we're going to be able to just flip a switch on a Tuesday and then Wednesday, okay, we know we can start traveling, we can find places to stay. I, I think I, I just don't think that is realistic. And the longer this goes, and I understand why this is going long, the longer it goes, I think the longer it's going to be to get into a position, fans or not, where we're able to get stuff back. And look, believe me, I miss baseball. I mean, for I mean, I've been at WTMJ since 1998. I've been at opening days, whether it was County Stadium or whether it was Miller Park. It just kills me that we're not having opening day this year for a lot of reasons, both professionally and personally. And I know a lot of a lot. Of, I know I know you probably share that same position on this, but. It's going to take us a while to ramp up, and I guess I just look at the timing, and I'm sitting there saying, okay, if you're a hockey fan, do do we really want them to be playing the hockey playoffs in, in August or, or September? How long can you go with this? I, I just raised this, but every day that passes, it seems to me as a realistic 
analysis, it seems to me it's less likely that we're going to be able to finish these seasons. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Coronavirus might be postponing the start of the Brewer season. Opening day, well, that's today, and opening day, it is still opening day. Tune in to WTMJ this Thursday at 6 for a Brewer's Classic. It is a game simply titled Not Today. We are airing the 2019 opening day win over the St. Louis Cardinals. Tune in tonight, 6 o'clock, as Mr. Baseball Bob Euchre calls Brewers Baseball. Brewers Classic is sponsored by our friends at Badger Mutual, Boucher Automotive, and Network Health. All right. I like to think that I have been taking these these shelter-in-place orders very, very seriously. Haven't been going out much at at all. Occasional trip to the grocery store. Um, In addition, that's pretty much it. The gas prices are low. doesn't matter because I'm not using much gasoline. But yesterday, after the program, what my wife and I decided to do is, because there's all these conversations about voting, we went over to City Hall. They were open for early voting. We maintained the social distancing, and, and we early voted. All right? And they were, it was actually, I was talking to some of the, the people who were the poll workers, and they said the early voting process, at least in the community where I live, had been going fine. They were limiting the number of people inside the area where you could open vote. They were very, very good about maintaining the social distancing, et cetera, et cetera. So I got that out of the way because, I mean, who, who knows what's going to happen uh, a week from Tuesday, whether the election's going to be postponed, whether it's going to go ahead, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, and, and after, after we early voted, got back in the car, came back, came back home. So interactions very, very limited. One of the things that's going on, and I recognize that there's a lot of people who are going kind of stir-crazy, and you need to get outside, and you need to end up doing things. And for a lot of people, it's just walking around in, in your neighborhoods. Understand that. I mean, I have a, my wife and I have this little route that we do. It's about a mile, and we take the dog for a walk, and we go through the neighborhood and the surrounding neighborhood and get back. And it's, it's about a mile, and she does it several times a day. I, I do it maybe once, maybe, maybe twice. Yesterday, great day. Weather was absolutely outstanding. And when we went over to the area where I vote, across the way from that, there, there's a sidewalk, there's a walkway kind of by the river. It leads out to a park. Saw a number of people who were out walking. Now, they weren't particularly congregating close to each other, but, but there were a lot of people out there walking in the public place. I didn't see enormous crowds. We weren't talking about the beaches at spring break, but there were a lot of people out there. Well, it brings me to what I want to discuss. In Chicago, all right, there, there's, there, there's more difficult places. When you live in an area where there's this high density of people, there's, I don't know, less opportunity to find maybe a residential neighborhood where you can, can walk you know, a mile and be you know, pretty much by yourself, like I have around where I live. So one of the things that they're finding in Chicago, as people decide that they've got to get out and they've got to get exercise, more and more people are heading down, for example, to, to the lakefront and are heading down into the parks. And what you're seeing is these aren't large parties or anything like that, but it's people saying, hey, we need to get out of the house. It's a nice day. We, we're going to go 
to the lakefront and, and walk up and down the lakefront. And in the Chicago Tribune, there's all sorts of photographs of you know people walking and, and jogging. Now, they're maintaining distances from each other, but there's a ton of people that are down there. This has infuriated the mayor of Chicago and the police superintendent and the health commissioner who are saying, we are going to shut down our parks and our lakefront, the entire lakefront, if residents continue to essentially you know, go out in large numbers. Um, if you don't listen. You know, if, if you're out in a large group, even though you didn't arrange to be, you just decide, hey, I'm going down to the lakefront because I, I need a place to walk. They're threatening first time $500 a ticket. And if you are a repeat offender, you could be arrested. All right. Yeah, here's, here's what the mayor says. If there are people out there, and unfortunately there are, who are determined to do whatever they want despite orders, and that would be, hey, they're going out to the park with their dog or they're walking up and down the lakefront. These are not recommendations. This isn't guidance. This is an order that's enforced by law. We're going to give you an admonition, and if you don't turn right away and head home, you're going to get a citation. And worse, yeah, we will take you into custody if it gets to that. Okay, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I understand social distancing is important. Believe me, I get it. We've got to be smart. At the same time, though, all right, can if we really reach the point where we want government authorities to be telling people not, I mean, I understand you've closed the golf courses, we've closed the disc golf courses, you know, we've closed Miller Park, none of that stuff going on. But if we really reach the point where if you have people who individually decide, hey, it's a really nice day, I want to go over and I want to walk up and down the lakefront, have we really reached the point where we're going to be telling people you're going to be ticketed and you're going to be arrested if you do that? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And at, at what point do we reach that point? So if it's that nice day and you decide that uh, in your particular community, hey, there's a great park downtown and it's wonderful for the dogs and it's just a little bit of a change of scenery as opposed to walking around in my immediate neighborhood, are we going to say that you can't go there if other people in your community decide that they're going to go there? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should we start arresting people for showing up at the lakefront? or in public parks if too many people show up. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Mayor of Chicago yesterday had a news conference, frustrated that lots of Chicagoans are going down to the lakefront and to the parks. And her point is, you're not allowed. You should not be allowed to do that. I will if you if you go to areas where there are other people. We're going to give you a warning. If you continue to go on your run or your walk, we're going to give you a five hundred dollar ticket. And then if you don't. Uh, listen to us, we're going to arrest you. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Sean in West Dallas. Sean, you're first. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Sean. So, you know, I think about this. The fact that 
gyms are already closed pretty much across the board here. And if there's any expectation for people to remain somewhat active, and again, for your health, you think about going out and exercising, uh, this is something I think people can choose to do, whether they want to take that risk and leave their home. And second of all, if they're just walking by themselves or, you know, with their spouse, I think you can reasonably keep distances from people while you're outside and not get within that that contact zone in these areas that are being described, where I I think that's overstepping it, saying we're just automatically going to provide citations for people just trying to go take a walk or a jog. Yeah, yeah, see, I, I agree with you. Look, I, I under, and, and thanks a lot for the call, Steve. I appreciate it. I mean, look, I, thanks a lot for the call. I, I mean, I, here, look, I understand. I, I have that image of the, the idiots on spring break who are all together on the beach and everybody's like in close quarters having a big party. I understand why that's a situation that's just a public health danger. All right. But we're not talking about that. You know, we're talking about people on a nice day who decide, hey, you know, we, we want to go out and we want to walk. We, we, you know, we, we can't just sit inside our house. We need to exercise, etc. And especially in some of these urban areas where you, you don't have access to great places to walk. I mean, how many, how many times can you walk around you know, the block if you live in downtown Chicago? So you go to the park. Now, if you see large groups gathering, if all of a sudden there's a group of, I don't know, 100 people that have decided to, we're going to have a couple giant flag football games or something like that. I understand that that's one where maybe the authorities go in and say, hey, look, we're talking about social distancing. We don't want these kind of team activities going on. But if the situation is just people riding their bikes or jogging or a husband and wife walking through the park, we tell people maintain a decent distance. All right. And maybe if it gets to the point where there's too many people doing that to be safe, well, okay, maybe then you come in and you temporarily close down the park. You say, okay, no more people to some people leave if you get to the point that there's that many people there. But in general, I I think we've got to be careful. We want to be smart about this. We want to have social distancing. But the government now telling us, hey, you, you can't walk your dog in the park if other people are there. At some point in time, you have to, I think, give us credit for following the different instructions. I mean, don't you? Elaine in Bayside. Elaine, you're on WTMJ. Um, hi, Jeff. Um, hi, I just heard the last part of your um, uh, what you just said about you got to give people credit. Well, I wish right. that was the case because I'm a big walker. I live in the North Shore. I walk all the time. I walk far, and every day I have people that will not move over. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in someone's middle of their front lawn trying to stay away from these people. So right. I hope that uh, I hope the government doesn't close down any parks or anything like that. But I think people are ruining it for themselves because they don't take the six foot thing seriously and it is serious and you know everyone thinks well i don't have it well you don't know if you don't have it and you know we all would need to get outside and get the fresh air so i think people are putting this on themselves and if they would start just paying attention to what we are talking about this distance it shouldn't affect anything but it's not happening and i see it every day of my life so i'm experiencing that Elaine, thanks for calling. And, and I, I guess I, I don't disagree with people being smart. I, and, and obviously, we, you know, you're always going to have the idiots that are out there that just don't kind of get the the message. I guess 
it is interesting to me, and I'm not a guy who's arguing close down grocery stores, close down liquor stores, close down convenience stores, close down you know the big box stores. Of course not. I mean, I just don't think you can do that. You have to count on people, again, being smart. But, I mean, my guess is, and I was thinking about this when I was looking at the mayor, listening to the mayor yesterday, my guess is that you could go to a Costco or Sam's Club or a Walmart or whatever, and you're going to find more people in closer contact than you were, you know, going on on the lakefront. Now, I mean, I I understand. I think people need to keep their distance. One of the things that, you know, we do when we walk around our neighborhood is we run into a lot of our our neighbors or people who are walking as well. Well, okay, I'm I'm walking the dog. The the leash is at least six feet. So, I mean, we're, we're not getting close to those folks, and we wave, and sometimes we have conversations, but we have conversations from, you know, a a distance. And and we understand that. You've got to keep the distancing. You've got to be smart. I just don't think, I think it's, I understand they want people to be safe, but I think it's dangerous if we're saying, if government's going to come and say, all right, we're going to take these places away. We're going to close down the lakefront for you walking because too many people are there doing it. Let's talk to Jill in Muskego. Jill, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, how are you, Jeff? I am well, thank you. What do you think? You know, I was thinking maybe they need to limit how far you can actually go from your home. And maybe they would have less people congregating at areas like downtown by the lakefront or maybe South Shore. Because that's where people are probably going to gravitate to, those more popular areas. So if they would limit how far you could actually go from your house, Maybe that would help okay. because you're always going to have those people who's all or nothing. Well, okay, Joe. So, uh, do you really <clears throat> do you really want the government coming in and saying you're not allowed to travel more than pick a number five miles from your home, ten miles from your home? I mean, do, do we really want government putting those kind of restrictions on people, and then I don't know the cops pulling folks over and saying, "Hey, I'm sorry, Mr. Wagner. You know, you're." You know, you live 10 miles, you know, you're, you're at 12 miles because you've come downtown. And, you know, do, do we really want the government doing that, pulling people over for that? I, I think maybe at this moment in time, yes. I'm not saying that's all the time, but, you know, you got these people who you give them an inch, you know, and they're going much further than that. You know they're going to push the limit all the time. Yeah. And we've oh, well, seen many Paul, people yeah. doing that. Oh, of course. I mean, thank, thank, there, there, again, there's always going to be idiots. See, I, I think, I mean, I, I got to tell you, Joe, that I think that that's kind of scary. I, I don't want us <clears throat> to have the, the the police out there that are saying, okay, we're going to allow you to go for essential services, but that that hardware store that you go to, that's that's beyond five miles from the radius where you, where you live, so you can't go there anymore. You have to find a different hardware store or. You know, that, that restaurant that you like that you're going to go for carryout, that's that's eight miles away. So that's three miles beyond whatever the radius zone is. And, and we're going to now have this giant police state if you go outside the perimeter. I, I, hopefully we are not at that stage. Now, again, a lot of this goes away if most people are just smart and they maintain the social distancing and the things like that. I think a more common sense approach is to look at where people gather. And if it's a nice Saturday afternoon and you have an uncomfortably or unreasonable number of people 
down, for example, at the lakefront, and you're worried that it's just because there's so many people there, they're not able to maintain the social distancing. Well, well, maybe under that particular circumstance, it, it makes sense to close the lakefront for that particular circumstance until people leave. You know, okay, we've exceeded capacity. But I guess the, the idea of telling people you can't go to the parks, you can't walk up and down the public lakefront, I... I just hope we're not at that point. And again, I'm not minimizing the impact of coronavirus, but people have to be able to go out. People have to be able to go places. And I don't know, walking up and down the lakefront, I would argue, is probably a good thing. Being able to walk through the public parks is probably a good thing as well. If you want to set a capacity, that's okay. But closing the parks or threatening people with arrest if, hey, you know, you're, you're walking too close to your, your friend, that's, that's a scary police state. And we've got to balance individual rights with being safe. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, well, lots of stuff on today's program, including, all right, is, is there something, if we all want to be safe, is there an obvious thing that we should be doing that we're not? I'll discuss in just a couple minutes. Don't go anywhere. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. So glad to have you with us on the non-opening day, opening day. And I understand there's lots more significant issues, but let's face it. Opening day is its sort of like a national holiday here in Wisconsin. And uh, this year, it's, it's, it's an opening day like no other, as we've been reminding you all day. Tonight, 6 o'clock in the evening, we're going to be replaying the opening day game from last year, trying to help you get your baseball fix. So tune in at 6 p.m. this evening. You can hear Bob Euchre and his opening day call from last year. All right, now, now obviously, coronavirus issues are taking all the air out of all sorts of things, and but there are other things going on in the world. And I just wanted to mention this. Uh, about a week and a half ago, there was the story of Denzel Crosby. You might forget this, but Crosby is the guy who allegedly, right, allegedly was driving a vehicle North 51st Street and West Vienna. What happened, actually a couple blocks away from that, what he did was he runs a red light. He's got a couple people in the car with him. He runs a red light. Milwaukee police see this. They try to pull him over, as happens, unfortunately, too often on the mean streets of Milwaukee. The guy just takes off, all right, just takes off. The police lose sight of him. They don't even begin the chase. I mean, he's just driving so fast, he pulls away. And what happens is about a minute later, um, after officers lose sight of the vehicle, they find a crash on North 51st and West Vienna Streets, um, and that is this Denzel Crosby in his effort to flee from the police after running a red light, wasn't being chased. He just kind of just took off. He slammed into this car, and um, this is the woman, Deborah um, Harris, who was a she was 62 years old, spent more than 32 years working as an emergency communications operator for the Milwaukee Police Department, um, slams into her car. She is killed. Two people in the car that Crosby is driving, they are apprehended. But as also happens with great frequency in these, on the mean streets of the city of Milwaukee, Crosby gets out and he runs away. So he had been a fugitive since this happened on March 16th. All right, well, 
even in an era of coronavirus, it's nice to know that sometimes for people like this, there is some sense of justice. The report is that uh, on Tuesday, U.S. Marshals in Texas arrested Denzel Crosby. So Crosby kills this woman in the hit and run, flees, and then apparently, I mean, he had left the state, whether he was hiding in Texas or whether he was trying to get across the border or whatever, don't, don't know. But he has now been taken into custody and presumably will be brought back to stand trial for his actions. And, again, I understand we talk about coronavirus, but that's been one of the stories that I've just been watching is more and more people around here decide that they can drive in a reckless fashion and then when they cause incredible damage, the result is to run and, and oftentimes they run because they think they're going to be able to get away with it. In this particular case, this guy has not. All right. I want to revisit something we talked about at the very end of yesterday's program because the, the more I think about it, honestly, the more sense it makes to me. Now, here, here's the reality with coronavirus. It's not affecting all parts of the country equally. Right now, the epicenter for coronavirus is New York City. Like, what are they saying? Like 60% or so of the new reported cases are in New York City. When you think about it, that's not surprising. It's not surprising because New York City, I believe, when you talk about housing density, the most people on top of each other living in this area, New York City, I believe, from a population standpoint, is the most dense city in the United States. So if you talk about, again, community spread, somebody catches this and then they're in close contact because everybody's living together and it ends up spreading. And that's why you're seeing, again, New York City being overwhelmed. And, the health, you, you know, you, you turn on the television or you listen to the radio news and you see these pictures coming out of New York and, and you understand New York City ground zero epicenter and that's why the government is sending lots and lots of resources to that hot spot seattle washington same sort of thing that's one of the epicenters that was there incredibly dense city as far as population you have the outbreak and it spreads same thing is true um, in los angeles and san francisco so you you have places in the country where this is running rampant where you have the, the density and you're trying to get control of that other areas it, it's not as bad, and I'm not minimizing. I'm not saying that you know we shouldn't have social distancing and all those type of things, but, but it's different. It's nowhere near as widespread, and obviously you want to stop it from getting widespread. Well, okay, President Trump talking about reopening the country by Easter. A lot of people are just poo-pooing that, saying oh, that, that doesn't make any sense. And then the, the Trump position is kind of modified a little bit, and the, the new position is, well, maybe there's going to be areas of the country that, that we can't reopen, you know, some of these epicenters, but maybe there's other parts of the country where, you know, coronavirus, there, there's not a wide incidence of this, and people aren't as packed in together, and there's not the density that's there, and people are practicing social distance. So we don't necessarily have to keep the whole country shut down. Maybe we can concentrate on the areas where there's a lot of people that have this. Now, I, I candidly think that makes a lot of sense. I, I mean, if you, have, if you have counties in Wisconsin where there's no incidence of coronavirus, right, that, do, does it make sense on the possibility that there might be some that you're going to keep the, to get that particular county closed down? I kind of question that. But yet you have to kind of figure 
that out and make sure, again, you don't overwhelm the system. But one of the things that we do know is that people traveling from these epicenters are the ones who are spreading it. I firmly believe if you want to criticize the U.S. government's response, I, I think you start with the fact that I believe we were slow to close the borders, travel between China and the United States. Uh, and for people who were traveling from China to the United States, I think you know we, we should have been putting people in mandatory quarantines a lot sooner because there are a lot of people that I think picked it up in China, traveled to the United States, and then spread it. And, and so to me... We're, while coronavirus can and is in a lot of places, if you want to get it under control, you've got to concentrate, first of all, on the areas where we know it's out of control and stop that from spreading, which brings me to the point. U.S. officials are telling anybody leaving New York they think that they should voluntarily self-isolate for 14 days. So if you have somebody that's been in New York or lives in New York and decides, I don't know, I want to I, I want to go to Florida and visit mom or I want to come back to Milwaukee and, you know, hang out, be with my kids or whatever. OK, the recommendation is is self-isolation. Right. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I tried to be a voice of reason during this, not overreacting and at the same time, not underreacting. I think... Given the fact that we know that there are different outbreaks and different areas of incidence, I think people coming from, and let's start with New York City, where, like I say, 60% of the ongoing coronavirus cases are, I think anybody traveling from New York City, essentially anywhere else in this country, should be put in a mandatory quarantine for 14 days. Not one of these, hey, you know, we, <clears throat> we'd like you to self-isolate. But the truth of the matter is, if we want to stop this from spreading, it seems to me you start by saying, all right, if you've come from one of these areas, even if you're not showing symptoms, if you've come from one of these areas where there's a decent chance that, you know, you may have been exposed, all right, boom, you're, you're, you're going to be quarantined. And, yes, you have to stay in your house or you have to stay wherever and and we're going to be serious about that you are not allowed to go out and that's kind of the price of poker if you want to leave new york city fine you want to come back to milwaukee fine but you are going to be quarantined it's not this voluntary thing it is mandatory because we don't want to take chances our number 855-616-1620 that is the accident mortgage talk and text line i guess that's one of the things that i'd start with if we can quarantine people who are on cruise ships, and we can say, okay, you've been on a cruise ship where, all right, some people have been exposed to this, and you've got to stay in that cruise ship for 14 days, and we're not letting you in. Is it any more of a stretch to say, look, we're going to, if you're traveling from one of these areas where there has been an epicenter, you're going to have to be quarantined. No voluntary stuff, no ifs, no ands, no buts. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you think? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Now I, I think you, you can catch coronavirus anywhere. I, I understand that, but I believe one of the reasons why you had the spread around the world is 
China, I believe, was slow to disclose the scope of the problem. And I think, you know, many countries were slow to recognize that what we need to do is we really need to keep people coming from areas where there's been this outbreak and getting in. So right now in the United States, the epicenter is New York. There's a couple others, but New York, 60%, at least as of yesterday, the new cases of coronavirus were in New York City. So my question is, for people who are traveling from New York City, the epicenter, to other parts of the country, doesn't it make sense to simply say, okay, if you're coming from New York City to Milwaukee, for example, you have to be subject to a mandatory quarantine for 14 days to make sure you're not sick. If we did it with the cruise ship passengers out of California, why wouldn't we do it with people traveling from epicenters? And and is this a perfect solution? No, because I understand there could be somebody who was in, I don't know, Des Moines, Iowa, who, you know, contracted it, and they come to Milwaukee, and, you know, they spread. I, I get that. I understand there's a possibility, but there's less likely that somebody who's asymptomatic in Des Moines that travels to Milwaukee is going to have it than somebody who's asymptomatic in New York where it is the epicenter. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Costa on the south side. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Actually, it's good afternoon. I'm sorry. Good, after, good afternoon, uh, sir. What do you think? Basically, I still think, uh, yes, you're right, but if they're able to be tested and uh, confirmed that they're they're not infected then they should be able to travel um the problem is if you travel in uh, and somebody's coughing and sneezing in uh in the airplane um and some people have been infected uh just by traveling you know locally in the through the states that's mm-hmm. the other problem too um you almost have to drive from one part of the country to the other part of the country to confirm that you're not infected or reinfected well yeah, Acosta, thanks for the call. Look, I, I'm not saying that this, I'm not arguing that this is a perfect solution, because you're, you're, you're right. Somebody could have it, they could travel from somewhere other than an epicenter, and they could have it and they could spread. I, and I, I understand that. So it's not a perfect solution. But at the same, and I'm not arguing that people shouldn't be able to travel. That, that's not, that's not my point. I, I mean, I, I don't know how you, I don't know how you restrict our ability in this country to, hey, if, 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 you're, if you're in New York City and, I, I don't know, you're, you're 30 years old and you want to come back to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and you want to, you want to be with your family, for example, I, I don't know that the government has the right to tell you not to do that. But, 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 I do think we have the right to say, all right, if, if you're in New York City and you've been in New York City and you want to travel back to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, we're going to impose a mandatory quarantine, which is going to stop you from going out and social distancing notwithstanding, going to the local hardware store, the local Costco store, the local Walmart, and infecting a bunch of people. And it's not to say that there might not be somebody who already has coronavirus that hasn't shown any symptoms of it that are you know out and about at that hardware store as well, but... This is something that, I mean, it seems to me it, it makes sense. And it's one thing to say, well, we'd like you to self-quarantine. I'd say nuts to that. I'd say, look, we, we want you to self-quarantine. Now, people are saying, how would you enforce it? Well, candidly, I think it's easier to enforce that than what they're talking about doing in Chicago, where if too many people go walk the lakefront, they're going to send you home. Okay, here's a couple texts. Jeff, absolutely no question. If we actually could test, we wouldn't have to shut down and operate with mandatory quarantines. The problem with that, of course, is for people who are asymptomatic. I mean, do you, do you test everybody as a condition of getting on the airplane? And, and I, I, I don't know. I mean, if, if you're showing no symptoms 
early stages, I, I don't know, even if you have the test, is that going to, is it, if it's the first day or two and you've shown no symptoms of this at all, are you going to end up testing positive? Are we going to even know that? I mean, there, there are limitations on this, and I'm, I don't have a perfect solution. I'm just trying to figure out ways to keep it under control. And it kind of ties back in with what the president was talking about, about opening up, opening up the cities again, because, again, I, do I think we're going to be able to <clears throat> open up the entire country in two weeks? No, we're, we're probably not. And, and I don't know what opening up the country really means. But in areas where there has not been a large incidence of coronavirus, in incidents where there hasn't been a, a spread of this, well, okay, if you have a, a state where there's you know very limited stuff, there, there's not this, this has not spread, it appears that the social distancing is, is working, I mean, do we really want to, can we consider saying, okay, well, maybe we can get back to some sense of normalcy there, whereas in the areas that are particularly hard hit where you don't have this under control, well, there you might need different controls. I mean, it's this one-size-fits-all approach that I don't think necessarily works. We need to concentrate our resources, and we need to concentrate our concerns, I think, in the areas that are hardest hit, even, even in Wisconsin. Look at what's going on. Yeah, we have 600-plus cases of coronavirus, but 300-plus cases are in that neighborhood are, are, from, are from Milwaukee County, and the most are from the city of Milwaukee, and the most of those are, are from a couple particular areas in the city of Milwaukee. So it would seem to me that if we're worried about the spread of coronavirus, at least as a starting point, we're going to concentrate our concerns and our first level of interest where that outbreak is that just again from the perspective of triage that's what makes the most sense to me and if that means hey you want to come from an epicenter fine come from an epicenter but what we're going to do is we're going to quarantine you for two weeks till we make sure that you're not a carrier all right let's take a quick break back with much more in just a minute this is jeff wagner wtmj jeff wagner on wtmj So very glad to have you with us. You know, the, the, the economic fallout, and I understand there's some people who just don't think we should worry at all about the economic fallout of shutting down the country. And, and, and I understand that attitude. I, I'm sorry, I, I just I don't agree with it. I think you have to have a balancing sort of approach. Um, the, I, here's just a, a local example. Punchbowl Social, which was that, that big bar restaurant, that uh, prominently displayed right across the right across the the courtyard, essentially from Pfizer Forum, um, Punchbowl Social closed. Um, Ninety-one employees in the Milwaukee location were laid off effective March 16th. At that time, the company said the closure would be temporary. Well, it, it it's not. Um, what, what's happened is the company which has 19 locations across the country, has, has essentially gone into foreclosure. They're, they're in, they're, their principal investor is Cracker Barrel, Old Country Store. Have you ever been to a Cracker Barrel? Anyhow, they're, they, they're the principal investor in Punchbowl. They'd loaned them a bunch of money. Punchbowl is in default. And what's happened is rather than, than put more money, I guess they decide throwing you know good money after you know 
bad, they, they've decided to allow it to go into foreclosure. So Punchbowl Social is closed. And, you know, given the fact that, again, it's in foreclosure, it doesn't appear that it's going to open up. So, again, so it, it's probably going to be history. All those people have lost their jobs permanently. And now you're going to have this big vacancy in that area. This is this is just the tip of of the iceberg. Um, I've I have a number of friends who are small business people, and um, and including a number of people who work in the hospitality industry. And I I will tell you, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name names, and I'm not gonna name places. But I I have it on very good authority that there's at least some places that have now closed as a result of the governor's order that aren't going to be reopening. Because again, there there were businesses that were kind of on on the fence, and the fact that it's they've been ordered closed and there hasn't been any income coming in for a period of time, and then you add the fact that the recovery is going to be uncertain. I mean, even if we flip a switch, my guess is that people aren't going to just automatically start running out to bars, restaurants, whatever, in the same numbers that they did before all this happened. I mean, I just I, I bring that up. So I mean, I. I have it on pretty good authority that over the next few weeks there will be various places that do in fact end up end up closing and and I, I don't know how bad that's going to be, but I just what are the numbers here? Let me pull this up. Uh, record three point two eight million people filing for U.S. jobless benefits last week. Three point two eight million. My guess is that's going to go up dramatically, and the number is going to increase the longer you know we keep the country shut down. But I think people people don't understand the impact that this is going to have on folks, which isn't to say that what we're doing now isn't important. Again, I understand that. But at the same time, if we're killing business after business, particularly like these small businesses or places in the hospitality industry, you've, you've got to keep that in mind. Now, President Trump, we talked about this or at least alluded to it in the last segment. President Trump says parts of the U.S., should be able, or he hopes, to go back to work in a few weeks. Now, he's giving the Easter date. Easter is the 15th of April. We're here. It is um, March. You know, we're, we're here at the pretty much the end of March. So the question becomes, all right, is that, is that a reasonable thing? Uh, Easter is April 12th. I'm sorry. So it's March 26th now. Would have been opening day. So the president is saying, hey, maybe in two and a half weeks, we can start opening up parts of the country. Again, as I was talking about, if in the areas where there's huge coronavirus, where there's still the, the epicenters, is that going to happen? No. But as far as other areas, two and a half weeks, getting some people back to work, maybe starting to reopen restaurants, maybe starting to go out to the the people that are the barbers and the hairdressers and the small jewelers and all those folks. Hey, you know, we're, we're going to let you start going back to try to business as, as normal. Now, the economic effect of this, look, the free market is going to dictate to a certain point because do I think that the minute we start saying, okay, it's safe to go out to restaurants or whatever. Does that mean that people are going to automatically start calling airlines and booking trips? No, that's going to be a gradual thing. Does it mean that people are automatically going to start renting cars? No, it doesn't. But the sooner we do this, the, the better it is. So let's tee this up, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. President Trump saying parts of the U.S. could go back to work in a couple weeks. Is that reasonable? Is it necessary, and is it important to make that happen 
given the businesses <clears throat> that have closed already and the ones that, that will be closing as time goes on. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is it important for parts of the U.S. to, to go back to work in a couple weeks? And is that realistic? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. President Trump says he wants parts of the U.S. to go back to work in a couple weeks. We're two and a half weeks away from Easter. I, I, I think that's important to make it, it happen. And I think we need to have a surgical approach to this. Now, I have a text from one of our listeners. She says, I think opening up the country too early is like when you start taking your antibiotics because they're gone before they're gone because you feel better. All right, well, I, I'm not talking about opening up all of the country, but if you have areas where there's little or no coronavirus, what, what sense does it make to say, all right, we're, we're going to close you down, and, and then for how long? So if you're in a, a remote rural town in, in North Dakota, do we say we close down this town because you've got a coronavirus outbreak that's still going on in New York City? I'm just saying I think you have to be surgical about this, don't you? Because there is a real-world effect on this. You're already starting to see businesses that have not only been ordered closed, but they're not going to reopen again. That's just the reality. You know, 3.2 million people unemployed right now. And again, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that people need to be taking unnecessary risks. Nobody wants to get coronavirus. Nobody wants anybody close to them to get coronavirus. But at some point in time, don't you have to have some sort of risk reward? And then if you're in an area where, all right, you, you flatten the curve, or this is an area where it hasn't happened as of yet. I mean, how long do you, how long can you close down the country? Because those stimulus checks are, are going to be great. Look, I'm, I'm thrilled that people are going to be getting 1200 bucks or whatever they're going to be getting, but that only goes so far. 855-616-1620. Jeff in Sheboygan. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, how are you? I am well, thank you. What do you think about this? I mean, don't, don't we need to at least get parts of the country back open for business as soon as we possibly can? Well, essentially, I mean, right now, we could have parts of the state open. I mean, there's a lot of counties in Wisconsin currently that have zero cases of coronavirus. Yep. And all those people are at home. All those people are now filing unemployment. And I hate to say unnecessarily, but in a way it is. I mean, until you have that first case... Nobody has to panic, and so you have a lot of counties in Wisconsin alone, and I'm guessing that's the same throughout the country, that could be going toward day-to-day like normal because this virus, as bad as it is, hasn't affected their county yet. And maybe right. never or in a will. significant way, right? In a significant yeah. way, and and practice the hand washing, and pat, you know, practice the, you know, practice the social distancing, and let's do everything we can to make sure that our healthcare professionals have the masks and have the ventilators, and and, and let's try to. We're, we are playing catch up. There's no question about it. But I guess, yeah, I, I, I'm sort of with you. And and you and look, the economy can take this for a while. And, and, yeah, if you want to say, okay, we're going to do this for another two weeks or whatever, but there seems to be some people who are sitting there saying, well, okay, let, we're, we're prepared to hunker down for months. Well, okay, all right, what is, going to, what is that going to look like 
you know, three months from now if we haven't allowed businesses to open up. You, you, you just can't do that. There has to be a balancing, and it seems to me we have to be surgical. You reopen the country in the areas where coronavirus hasn't shown a, a widespread existence. To me, that just makes sense. Yeah, and then you, so. you have this, the government in place to come in if it ever does. I mean, I'm from Sheboygan, and we had cases very early on. And really nothing right. since. They figured out where the cases came from. They quarantined those people. We have no right. public spread as of far as we know. And we've kind of been sitting at the same number for about a week and a half now. Okay. Right. you you got to slowly say, okay, let's start to, yeah, maybe you don't open the bars up for happy hour, but let's start to a, right. a nail person that does 20 people in an entire day. Why are we ho- closing her down when she could be bringing in the income that she needs? Keep her off of unemployment. Keep the economy going. And then yeah. if you see the numbers start to increase, okay. And I know everybody hates to back it back down, but you do have to you have to balance on that wire of, of being overly cautious and keeping the country running at the same time. No, th- thanks for the call. No, to me, see what you're saying makes makes perfect sense. All right, you 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 deal with the areas where it is, and, and, and I mean again, I don't know what the magic time is going to be, but for all these people, and it's a lot of folks out there who just hate President Trump. Oh, anything he says has got to be wrong. You've got to start reopening the country at some point in time. And, and a lot of people who are comfortable with shutting down the country are people who haven't lost their jobs. You know, and, and that's that, that's great for you to say, okay, well, I, I think we all have to be safe. And, and, look, I get it. You don't want to take unreasonable risks. But if you've got, you know, 100,000 people who lost their job in the last week in Wisconsin alone, you know, at what point in time do we start to say, all right, we, we have to be surgical and we have to figure out where this makes sense. We don't want to take undue risks. But, I, I mean, I like your example. The one I always give is the, the, the gal that, that our, our pet groomer. It, it's her and one other person that are in a shop by themselves, very, very little interaction with people. All right, so we say you can go to Costco and you can go to the liquor store and you can go to the hardware store, but she can't stay open. All right, well, I, I don't know how long she can last by not staying open. But, but at some point in time, don't we have to say, that person or the folks that run the, the small frame-up stores. Don't we have to say you got to be able to open to some of the restaurants? And I'm with your point. I mean, maybe it's not a best idea to say we have 200 people in a happy hour, but maybe what the governor was doing at the end of last week, we're going to limit <clears throat> the, the scope. You know, if you're going to open up a restaurant, fine. You can limit it to like 30 or 40 people, and those people have to be separated from each other. We, we have to be surgical. Now, I'm saying that you do that all throughout the state or all throughout the the country no but we have to have a plan don't we to gradually roll out stuff let's talk to scott on the south side scott you're on wtmj good afternoon good afternoon jeff um my thoughts on this topic are are that number number one again i have no problem getting the country back open and i want to see it open back up again but one of the things that dr fauci and dr burst have continuously stressed during the conferences is that the areas which are not infected right now are showing no signs of infection. Those are areas, whatever, where there's been no statistical sampling done or random sampling done in those populations to see if the viruses might be whatever in those areas. So until areas that are, like I said, that are, that are not hot right now have some statistical sampling done and proven that, hey, the virus is not there, then I think we need to 
still whatever main um, maintain the cur- maintain the current situation. But if it's proven that they're that they're clean, then let's then let's reopen. But then but then you also need to put consider the fact about transplants coming into those areas who might infect it. But but I guess I, but I mean how long do you do that? <clears throat> because I mean how how do you end up proving a negative? So let's say for the sake of argument, you've you've got a county where there's no reported instance of this. Um, there, there's no positive tests for this. There's nobody being hospitalized for it. I mean, how long do you say, do, do you test everybody in the county? How long do you go where you say, okay, there's nobody that showed symptoms. There's nobody that's tested positive. How long do you keep that county closed on the assumption that, well, maybe there's people that have it that haven't been tested for it? I mean, because I don't know how you ever prove a negative, if you know what I mean. Well, I mean, again, you have to rely on you have to rely on on the concepts of statistical sampling, and based on what what Fauci and Burks and Trump are saying is that is that these big testing companies they can turn around and test whatever within 24 hours. So my recommendation is that you go out, you do a a random sample of in a county of say 100 people, whatever go out and test go out and test them, get the results back in 24 hours. If that random sample, whatever, proves out that there's nobody with the infection, then we're set, then set a plan to open that county back up. Okay. Well, thanks for the call. I appreciate. It. I guess I, I see. I don't see that as practical. I mean, look here. Here's the bottom line. I, there, there, there's always going to be, I guess, people that are out there that are asymptomatic that that aren't showing any signs. But I, I think, at least short term, the the vast majority of the resources are going to go into. The areas, the hot spots where we know we have the, the outbreaks and we know we have, you know, the people that are, you know, that are being hospitalized and stuff like that. That's where you have to concentrate the resources. I don't know about the idea of just, hey, I'm going to come out to Fond du Lac, about picking a town, and we're going to take a hundred people randomly off the street, all of whom have shown no symptoms <clears throat> at all of this, and we're going to test them, and then we're going to make that decision as to whether you reopen Fond du Lac. I guess, again, you have to have a balancing. But for everybody <clears throat> that's out there that's saying, okay, we, we want to just shut this down for as long as we possibly can, I, I do emphasize, you got to understand, coronavirus is going to be with us for, it, it might be a fact of life. That, that's just the reality. It's certainly until you get a vaccine, and even once you get a vaccine a year or 18 months from now, people aren't going to take that vaccine, or at least some people aren't going to make that decision. So I don't know if the goal is that we can be eradic- eradicated and guarantee that we can be 100% safe from ever getting coronavirus, because I don't see that as a realistic thing. I don't see that happening. What's going to happen is we have to get to a point where, first of all, people are smart about this. And, again, if you're showing symptoms, you don't get anywhere near anybody else. And, secondly, where we control it and balance it out so that those people who have the symptoms, they can get the treatment, they can have the hospital beds for them, et cetera, and we can get them in before they infect too many people. But otherwise, you've got to understand, I mean, can, can you shut this country down for two years or a year? And, and my answer would be, no, I just think we have to be surgical, we have to be smart, and for all the people who are poo-pooing the president, oh, this can never happen, well, you better hope that, that he's right, because at some point in time, you know, there's going to be all sorts of real-world consequences from this. And by the way, I also understand that if you're in one of these at-risk groups, it, it, life life as we know it has changed. You know, and I, I appreciate for the people that, if you look at the eight fatalities in Wisconsin, in every public case, and, and again, there every public case, it's people who had underlying health issues, just like 
every year, and I, I know people hate it when I bring up this number, I'm not equating coronavirus to the flu, but, you know, 93 people died last year in Wisconsin of, of the flu. Right? And, and in almost all those cases, it was people that had the underlying health issues. This, this is more infectious than the flu. I understand it. There is, I think at the end of the day, there'll be a, some, there'll be a higher mortality rate. I question whether it's as high as some people are suggesting, but I appreciate it. It's more significant than the flu, but still, you know, there's always going to be people that are affected by this, which is why if you're somebody who's in that at-risk category, you know, life as we know it has, has changed. You don't want to, you know, and we got to do everything we can to keep it out of the nursing homes and all those different sort of things. We have to prioritize stuff, but that's how I think we have to approach it. All right, back with much more in just a couple minutes. Don't go anywhere. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. You know, I, I listen to these reports <clears throat> that, that we have, and I, and I understand why people are completely freaked out. You, you can't turn on the radio, you can't turn on the TV, you can't pick up a, go to a, either a hard copy of a newspaper or go to websites without seeing, you know, the, the blaring headlines about coronavirus, et cetera, et cetera. And I understand that, that it's a big deal, and I try not to downplay this, but I try to offer some perspective. I think it would be interesting when we get the number of reported coronavirus cases, it would be interesting to also include one other number, which is the number of people who have recovered. Because, again, I, I understand this is a nasty virus, and, and I, I understand that we want to do everything we can to stop people from getting it, particularly people who are in the, these vulnerable areas. But I swear, I get all these texts from people who apparently seem to think that coronavirus, and nobody wants to get sick for anything. I don't want you to get the flu. I don't want you to get colds. I don't want people to get sick from anything. And I understand that coronavirus is more significant than the flu. Try not to equate that. But I get these things, and, and the sense I get is that people think that everybody that's got coronavirus is going to die. And, and that's just not the case. It, it's Look, I, I hope we have a vaccine. I understand that for some people, particularly those who have, again, compromised immune systems and breathing problems and things like that, it, it's, it's just a real nightmare. But, I mean, I actually wonder how many people have had coronavirus, for example, that have been, like I'm saying, asymptomatic, not showing any signs or anything like that, and, and have just recovered fine. So I, I, from a perspective of perspective, I think it would be really helpful if, for example, the state comes out and they'd say, all right, we have 700 cases of coronavirus. That's what our testing has shown. Of those 700, we have eight fatalities. Unfortunate. And we've also, we've been monitoring the people, and we have five people who have recovered, or 10 people have recovered, or 100 people have recovered, etc., just to offer people some perspective. Because I think one of the things we're doing is we're trying to scare, people are getting scared because there are at least some people out there that think, gosh, you know, th th this is, it's like the bubonic plague. Everybody that gets it is going to die. And that's, that's just not the case. And when I say that, I'm not downplaying the significance of it. I understand that nobody wants to get it. All right. That, that's, I don't want to get it. I don't want my family members to get it. Of course, that's the situation. But I mean, it's not a death sentence and we need to have some perspective. Um, let's see. I have a text here that says, um, you know, uh, Jeff, when did death become something to just ignore? Let people die so we can have a good economy? Well, nobody is saying that death is something that you just ignore it. We don't care. We, we want to be able to treat people, but, but people get sick and die. 
you always have to have a balancing. That's why, again, I understand this isn't the flu, but 93 people from Wisconsin died because of the flu last year. I understand that at the end of the day, there's going to be a higher mortality rate. This is more significant, but we don't close down the the state because 93 people died of the flu and 240 people died last year from pneumonia. We take precautions. We try to be smart about it. I think the social distancing stuff is fine, but I mean, I just think people are so freaked out about this that we need to offer some degree of perspective on this because I think people are just terrified, absolutely terrified. And do we need to be appropriate? And absolutely, of course. But but maybe we need some perspective, and I do concern get concerned that we're not completing getting that perspective. Now, having said that, you look out sometimes, you see people doing just incredibly stupid things, like all the kids going on spring break and sitting next to each other on the beaches and things like that, and then just wondering why some of them get sick and bring it back. And even if they don't get too messed up themselves, they pass it on to their parents or their grandparents. So I think people need to be smart, but at the same time, just from perspective, you'd like to hear the data about just the number of people who've contracted this, who've been watched, who, who've recovered, and just to offer us a little bit perspective, because I think if we did that, it might be just a little less scary for the general population. All right, I also have one other text that was kind of interesting. It's, um, Jeff, thanks for, let me see, da 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 Thank you. Thank you for mentioning dog rumors. <laughs> Every other pet business is allowed to be open except us. I'm a solo, home-based one client at a time dog groomer. I'm the main source of income. Our industry is hurting. Our services are essential. I groom many special needs dogs, and I worry how this will affect them. Owners can only do so much. We have a lot of home grooming injuries. Thanks again for mentioning us. Stay well. That's Helena. Well, well yeah, and again, that's that all ties into what I've been saying for a while now, which is the need to be surgical. I understand why we don't have the large sporting events with 50,000 people put together. I, I understand, at least for the time being, why we've got you know people not allowed to go to the restaurants or the movie theaters. But again, I, I go back to my basic premise. I don't know. If, if it's okay for a bunch of people to go into a liquor store or to Costco or the hardware store, and I, I think it is. You need to be able to go into Costco or, or Walmart or whatever, but yet you have the home-based business where maybe the dog groomer is going to come into contact with a limited number of people over the course of a few, you know, a few hours. We, we say that that person, they have to shut down. And I get texts whenever I say that about, well, who cares about dog rumors? Who cares about the small jewelers? Who cares about the people at the picture frame shops? Who cares about the people running the greeting card stores? Well, I do. <laughs> I, 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 I do, because these are people who have spent their lifetime building their businesses, and this is what their livelihood is. And do I think that we should allow them to unreasonably risk other people, uh, run the risk of them getting them sick? No, no, I don't. But, okay, that, that same dog rumor, you know, they're, they're going to be going to the grocery store, and they're going to be interacting with, with people, and it seems to me it's a lot more dangerous for them to go to the grocery store than it would be for them to run there, hey, I'm going to have contact with a handful of people during the day. And I understand some people don't see that, and they don't care about it. Um, I do. I, I'm just arguing for perspective and balance. All right, let's switch gears for a minute. Let's get away from the coronavirus discussion and let us talk about something, well, less, less, um, less controversial, maybe. Let's talk about politics. Now, like I say, um, I, I went and voted yesterday. I don't know what they're going to do with the April 7th election. I, I think right now, I don't think the governor 
I don't believe the governor under his emergency powers has the authority to move the election date. And I think most lawyers, not all, but most lawyers agree with that. The Republican, I think the legislature would have to do it. The Republicans in the legislature thus far are not showing an interest in, in doing that. My, my issue is can you get the poll workers? And, and so that's kind of, that's the concern that I have. You know, are, are you going to be able to get poll workers that are going to be able to show up? Can, can you run this in a time when everybody is being told that you, you have to shelter in place and that type of stuff? Um, my biggest concern, I said this yesterday, with the upcoming election, it's not the presidential primary. I mean, that's, that's for all intents and purposes all over but the shouting. Six months ago, nine months ago, maybe we thought this would be this huge turnout generating thing. No, it, it's not going to happen. My bigger concern is, particularly with like the local elections, like the mayor's race, Tom Barrett, he's up for re-election. His term ends like a week or two after the election. If you don't have the election on April 7th and you delay it till June, he would end up uh, being in office after his term had expired. And, and I think that raises issues. Same thing through with a lot of county board members and people like that. The judges, it's less significant because their terms all run until, I believe, August 1st. So you could have an election in June, and it wouldn't impact that. But to me, the big question is, are we going to be able to have an election? Are enough poll workers going to show up? But the presidential election, eh, whether we do it now or whether we do it in June or whether we don't do it, is it really going to make any difference? Now, I bring this up because, obviously, with all the concerns about the virus and things like that, um, people aren't paying attention to politics. I, I think at least most people aren't paying much attention to politics. Did you know that Bernie Sanders was still running for president? You know, despite the fact that Bernie Sanders, that, that, that train has left the station, it's gone around the bend and it's moving on, Bernie hasn't gotten a message. And, and Bernie has not dropped out. The Biden people want Bernie to go away. But they don't want to be too aggressive because they don't want to alienate the Bernie Sanders supporters. So you have, you know, Bernie, who's walking around still thinking he's got a chance to be the Democrat nominee, Democratic nominee, which he, he doesn't. But he doesn't want to go anywhere. So Bernie is saying, hey, I want another debate. And I want us, it's just me and it's just Biden. We're the only two people left standing. I want us to schedule a debate. Um, next month, sometime in April, I want the two of us again on the stage. Want to be arguing? He said, "I'd like to. I'd like to have this by perhaps you know mid mid April." All right, Joe Biden saying, "I'm done with debates. We, we've we've been debating and debating and debating since last fall. The numbers are what the numbers are. We don't need any more debates." Um, Biden says, "We've had enough." Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. All right, now nobody can force Bernie Sanders to drop out. I mean, Bernie Sanders can continue to say he's running for president as long as he wants. But he's demanding more debates, trying to jumpstart his campaign. Joe Biden is saying, I've had enough, we're, we're, we're moving on. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Do we need more debates between the Democratic candidates for president? Or, to use the opera metaphor, has the fat lady sung? 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Me, 
I hear the music. All right, we'll discuss. If you're on the line, please hold on. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do we need more debates between Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders? If you're on the line, hold on. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. James in Whitefish Bay. James, you're first. Good afternoon. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, I think, as regards to the primaries, there do need to be more debates for a couple of reasons. You know, first, I think Bernie Sanders, even if the nomination is lost, he still sees value in moving Joe Biden to the left before the nomination is settled. And secondarily, I think Joe Biden still needs to prove to the Democratic primary voters and to the American people that uh, he has the competence to serve as president. I still think that's a question. Thank you. Why would, why, okay, oh, thanks for your call. I appreciate it. <clears throat> okay, I appreciate it. I mean, I guess my, my, my comment would be, if you're Joe Biden, I, I would say I don't have anything more to prove. I mean, I, I've, I'm the one that has amassed the delegate lead here. I, I, it's an insurmountable lead. I'm going to be debating Donald Trump in the fall. But, I mean, if, if I'm Biden, th- th- there's nothing at this point in time to, to gain. Bernie Sanders has essentially been been defeated. Yeah, I mean, I understand what. Look, I get why Sanders wants it. Sanders is trying for that Hail Mary. He's hoping that, you know, you have this debate and uh, Joe Biden goes out and does something that convinces everybody that he's unfit for office, etc. And then people turn to to um, to Biden, but uh, they turn to Bernie Sanders. But I guess I just don't see that as anything that is likely to happen. And to tell you the truth, you know, if I'm Joe Biden, I, I there, there's nothing at all to gain from going on and and having another debate. Plus, Bernie Sanders doesn't have, there's nothing he can really do, it seems to me, to force, you know, Biden to go along with that. Because Biden's, he's he's essentially won. He's got this locked up. There's no momentum for Bernie Sanders anymore. It's just kind of done. Um, Let's see, Jeff, no more debates. Go home, Bernie. That's from Stephen. Um, Here's another text. Yes, Bernie should be able to change the system's rules, etc., etc. For Trump fans, it could not be better than to have these two box it out to say nothing against, you know, the other one that really hurts. But, I mean, here's here's the bottom line of all this, though. I mean, let, let's be let's be realistic. How many Democratic debates have have we had? I mean, as a practical matter, and and you've you've had people going after each other and back and forth, and you've had you know different candidates that have been attacked, and 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 I understand that some of the attacks. For example, Elizabeth Warren took out Michael Bloomberg. That that's just kind of the reality of this and for better or worse, I mean that that ended up, you know, happening. But at this point in time, you know, you've had one-on-one debates with Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. It hasn't changed the dynamic at all. Biden has an overwhelming lead. Biden, I think you could make a strong argument that it would be political malpractice for Joe Biden to agree to another debate. There's nothing in it. It's a completely no-win situation for him. And why would any politician get themselves into that no-win situation? Bernie wants another debate. Joe Biden says ain't going to happen. My guess is probably not going to happen. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Now, while I'm one of the guys cautioning about having some perspective during this coronavirus outbreak, 
not understating the problem, but at the same time, not becoming convinced that everybody in the country and everybody in the state is going to die. I, I mean, I think you need to have some balance. And unfortunately, and I see this from some of my texts, and I understand why this is going on. People just, I mean, people are freaked out. And I understand why people are freaked out. I'm arguing for a sense of common sense and balance as we do this. Then, on the other hand, there are people who I don't think have the sense that God gave a goose with some of the things that they're doing. Story in USA Today. Now, about a pastor in Louisiana. Now, Louisiana um, looks like it might be one of the next epicenters. They had not historically been hit hard by this, but you had Mardi Gras. And, and I think now a lot of people getting together for Mardi Gras. And I, I think, you know, Louisiana might be one of the next epicenters because, of, again, the big events a couple weeks ago. You have a Louisiana pastor who has decided that he does not agree with the governor's order to prohibit gatherings of more than 50 people. All right now, in Wisconsin, Tony Evers has closed down the churches, closed down the churches, or at least prohibited people from meeting together. It's going to be an Easter like no others. I know a lot of a lot of churches around the area are making arrangements to have the services online. But, but this is among the many things that Evers has done. This is very, very controversial, the idea that you have the governor who's shutting down churches. But like I say, a lot of the churches, a lot of the pastors, they're, they're going to an online thing because even, for example, in the Catholic diocese, even if, if it wasn't for the governor's order, they had made the decision that they, they weren't going to bring large groups of people in. I, so I understand that. Well, here's the flip side of this. You have this Louisiana pastor who believes that this order limiting gatherings to less than 50 people is just wrong. And so what he's been doing is openly defying the state's order that no gatherings larger than 50, which is where we were, what, a week or 10 days ago. And and he's he's having these giant meetings, like a 1,000 a thousand people who are attending church from all these different parishes coming in the, the area. He says, um, look, this is, this is faith. His point is, you know, if, if you can have... If we're leaving certain things open, I mean, we should be allowed to open churches as well. So he's bringing like a thousand people in for the church services. I respect his zeal, but to me, this is this is just an example of how you get crazy on the other side, because we 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 know that the social distancing is important, and having a thousand strangers or many of whom are strangers and you know you don't know the backgrounds you don't know this having everybody flock into an area and sit next to each other in the pews at this point in time to me is just playing with fire so while i think some people overreact to what's going on recognizing that this is a crisis i think it's also possible to underreact and to do stuff that strikes me as just being dumb and a pastor insisting on defying the state's orders and having meetings involving or services involving over a thousand people that would strike me as being dangerous and dumb and you would think that the parishioners would have more sense than to show up this is jeff wagner wtmj